Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things During Hours. During Hours. (laughs) The only podcast we're pretty sure that brings you the best, the brightest, the strangest, the sexiest films and TV shows available to stream right from your home in an ocean of streaming content available. Fucking shit. Streaming networks. Fucking vying for your attention. Bastion! We are your lighthouse. Lighthouse! Your beacons of broadcast. Curators! Of content. Yes! <laughs> if you've never listened to the show before... It's a lot of this. Fuck you, buddy. Why didn't you listen before? Who <laughs> day? Who day? Oh, guys, guys, guys. And ladies, and ladies, and the non-binary folk. I watched a sport ball. Uh, wasn't it fun? I did it. I'm a man. Uh, you, you, I, I can see you just growing hair. My everywhere. ovaries have grown hair. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I watched the last minute, so I got like thicker eyebrows now. For sure. Yeah. You are looking bushy, my friend. Bushy. So if you guys don't know, we are denizens of the Cincinnati area. And so uh, the the Bengals, I believe is how it's pronounced. That's the, the cheerleaders. That's the cheerleaders. The, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So they were there technically. I wasn't wrong. The Bengals are in the playoffs, whatever that means. And so <laughs> it's supposedly a big deal. It is very important. And so I've been in this like weird position where, of course, ever, if you know me, you know, I, I do not care about sports. Um, but. It's unprecedented in our area. It was the first time we had entered the playoffs since 1991. No, first time we'd won a playoff game since 1991. We were in the playoffs in like 2015. That's right. First time we won a playoff game since 1991. Now we've won two in two weeks, guys. And so this is important to a lot of people that are important to me. And so... Like me. uh, By association. Andy's literally sitting right here wearing a Bengals jersey. (laughs) He is. He is. A Bengals jersey. Uh, Chris is draped in an A24 hat and a a sex babam shirt. I'm wearing my work shirt. (laughs) Andy is just rocking the the, the orange and black. He's striped. He looks like a fucking feral tiger sitting at our table. A bangle, if you will. Mm. He is the Tiger King. So, like, it's important to me by association, you know? Like, uh, my father-in-law put it like, hey, man, you know, this is the first time this has happened in my lifetime. You know, he's in his early 40s, and uh, he's, like, you know, really teary-eyed about this, right? Like, this is uh, a monumental moment in my lifetime. It's exciting. And so I was like, you know what? That's great, because... If it was like me going to Sundance or something, um, it that would I would be teary eyed, you know, and I would just and he would probably in support of me be like it's fucking great, man. You just go do it, you know. It's, that's awesome. And so with that in mind, I'm like, yeah, that's great, man. You go to drive to Tennessee. That's that's amazing. Go see the game. And so I was watching the game with Andy today because Andy said he was by himself, and I was like, oh, my friend. By himself. Oh, friend. I mean, it wasn't sad. I was cooking. I yeah, you're like, I'm having time. a great time. You don't have to come over. But in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, <laughs> you're like, I'm like, yeah, man, it's not cool. Here I come. But it was very intense. I just, I, from the, uh, from the perspective of watching these uh, gigantic gladiators uh, just vying for, for placement in the, the penultimate competition that has, that has usurped their, their adult lives. That was solid words. I mean, goodness gracious, was it riveting. Mm. And knowing what's at stake for our city. (laughs) (laughs) For the city. For the city. (laughs) You know, when I was a kid, my dad. The city will rise. (laughs) There is some practicality to it. My dad explained it to me. He's like, you know, son, when the the sports teams do well, 
it's really good for the economy of Cincinnati. People are in a good mood. They tend to go spend at the shops. They go out and eat at the restaurants, uh, you know, tour tourism. People come to the city to watch the games. And so it's, it's a good thing, you know, uh, economically speaking. And so, you know, I've always had like that practical spin on things, but any hoozle. I mean, wow. We've been paying for that uh, stadium for how long? So it's mm. about time that those payments actually uh, yeah. turned into something. I mean, we haven't, Chris and Andy. We no, I've paid zero dollars. <laughs> zero dollars. We're reaping the benefits of all the people in Ohio who pay for that Mitch stadium. Mitch McConnell hasn't let a dime slide by for Paul Brown. Well, I don't see the point of uh, supporting <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I'm a turtle. Uh, I'm going to go back into my shelf. <laughs> you got a moist shell there mitch uh so yeah that was that was really entertaining i had a great time that was a good game it was, it was i mean it was a, down to the wire down to the wire the lot, guy kicked the shit sacks. out of that ball at the end yeah, yeah tons of sacks there was more sacks than a gay porno in that fucking match mm-hmm. and i've got things to compare it to i'll tell you that <laughs> euphoria that's true <laughs> Andy, uh, before we move on, you are the biggest Bengal fan of all of us. What does this mean to you? A lot, man. Uh, Honest, so this game didn't mean as much to me as the last one did. The last one was the Cincinnati Super Bowl. Can we finally win a fucking playoff game? And we did. Because they haven't won a playoff game since I was two years old. And obviously, I don't remember that. (laughs) No (laughs) memories. Wasn't a big fan back then. I I I was more of a Patriots guy. Andy walked around the stadium that day, and he said, and I quote, I have no memory of this place. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, I mean, you were here for the end of it. I was screaming. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was fucking ready for it. And yeah. I, I believe the phrase let's fucking go was yelled mm-hmm. a number of times. And we fucking went. <laughs> yeah. and Chris was making fun of me because I was like pacing a beer in one hand, my vape in the other. Just like we can fucking do this, guys. We can fucking do it. And we did it. And we did it. We did it. We did it. The three of us in this room. Thank God we we trained so hard. When we win, it's we. When they lose, it's they. Yeah. Damn them. I think we played a great game. We gave it 100%. 100%. Uh, The the team was really strong. The opposing team was great. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, we were the better team. And that's all I have to say about that. Indeed. Indeed. So that's that's one of the things we've been streaming. We kind of jumped the gun on that. But we that, did stream it. YouTube TV is that, how we streamed that, guys. Is that how we did it? Because mm-hmm. it's your house. I didn't yep. know how 100%. we did it. Great. Andy's house, Andy's rules. <laughs> that's right. House rules. Uh, but uh, well, yes. I sh- it, it should be mentioned, uh, today is not it, but hereabouts, last week, I believe, was the one-year anniversary uh, of the streaming thing's return. Yay! Yay! Guys! So, so we took the week off. Uh, <laughs> just to celebrate, even though I'm sober. Uh, no, I celebrated so, in my home yes, by myself. Steve had a COVID scare. He was quarantined. Andy was otherwise inclined. And so therefore we just decided to to take the week and, and you know, not try to rush some shitty episode or something like that. And, and it's and it's stead. So we apologize for that. Shit happens, as Forrest Gump said. And so therefore, here we are. But it's amazing. Yeah. It's been a whole year since we decided to start recording these again. You guys know the history. Longtime listeners. You know, we started off a Stranger Things podcast, did very well between seasons, not so much. And, and then and then personal upheaval of multiple variants caused uh, a lapse in the show for what, a year and a half, I would think. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Got a couple really heartfelt emails from from listeners back then that made us want to restart the show. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, Actually, they have requested to remain anonymous because they were extremely personal emails and uh, it meant a lot to me. So, uh, yeah, here we are a year later recording every single week, except for the day that it was our year anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) And it's great because like this is actually the longest running the show has been. 
Yeah. This has been like the third reboot slash sequel of streaming things. Yeah. And it has now surpassed the longest running ver- uh, version of ourselves. Like we've, ne- we've never gone this hard or this long, baby. Is that true? Yeah. Is that why I want to quit? I think so. <laughs> I think so. We've, You're feeling it's time. You've You're gone feeling long it. past that. Exactly. You've, once you reach that milestone, you kind of just run out of gas, you know. But it's, I mean, take this, boys and girls, to heart. This is a, a true underdog story because it goes to show when you put all your effort into something and you really give it your all. I mean, we've recorded every single week for a year, right? So except for the one, right? Whatever. Well, That's, we also recorded multiple times. Multiple uh, for many weeks, Patreon episodes yeah. as well and some extra episodes. So, I mean, 60, 70, 80 episodes, right? So we put our all into it. We spent thousands of dollars and just thousands of hours of time into this show, all of our heart and soul. And we have less listeners than ever. So that just goes to show you got to <laughs> fucking just go for it. <laughs> Imagine Rocky, but he just keeps losing. <laughs> This whole time, Clubber Lang's behind me, like, you will pay for championship for things. <laughs> yeah, it's like, she divorced you two weeks ago. <laughs> you will pay for champs, dreaming things. All jokes aside, and honest, dark humor, uh, we truly love doing this. Thank you for listening. Um, you, well, two of us love doing this. Uh, <laughs> Poor Andy. The other I'm one a, we use his house. I'm having a good time. <laughs> I'm having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> ah. A little buzz now. Good. No, I get it, man. You get the bourbon cabinet popping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's on that Bengals high, so you know it. So to celebrate the the one year anniversary of streaming things, the re, the reboot cool, I think is what Steve's been calling it. That's what I call it, but legacy cool yes. is way better. Yeah. So the yeah, term legacy Andy cool has a better word. No, it's Chris's word. I said reboot cool. I don't take credit for it either. Legacy sequel was coined by Matt Singer from Screen Crush, I believe, but it's become like the catch-all term. It's a really well, good name. Well, fuck him. I'm giving it to Andy. Yeah, Andy, take it. <laughs> take it around, Andy, like the football. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so we're in, in honor of the release of Scream 5 and also our one-year anniversary, we decided to, that today's episode... Uh, is going to be about legacy sequels. So sequels long after the fact that they aren't reboots, they aren't really sequels, which is why he coined the the new term. It's a Lego sequel, right? Uh, so that's going to be later in the main event of the show. But first, let's get to a little business. I tricked Steve. He thought I was going to make him push the button. What a stupid ass. Ooh, I, got, <laughs> I got all percolated. I jumped up. I got my finger on the button and you're, 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 you're give me a 180. You percolated him. Ashton Kutcher, go back in the kitchen. It's not a full punk, but I did trick Steve. That's a early aughts throwback for everybody. For back when you used to have to watch the uh, TV Guide channel. You yeah, man. Punked pop oh, up there in that little screen in the corner. Oh, many things. Yeah, and then you got ridiculousness. <laughs> Remember that show? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob, Rob Deerdeck. When right? Jackass was a TV show. <laughs> Anything. It was all on. It was all in MTV. But first, we got a little business. I just want to remind everybody, if you want to subscribe to the show, we we would love that. I mean, it's great. Have money and stuff. That's at patreon.com slash streaming things. Uh, it would entitle you to uh, an entire plethora, a myriad, you might say, of Ooh, extra content. And uh, you just feel a part of something, an early movement, perhaps, like a grassroots revolution of Bernie Sanders proportions. You could yeah. be a part of that. and uh, Be a part of our Patreon menagerie. Yeah, the menagerie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say, say again? Be a part of our Patreon menagerie. One more time, but in the voice. <laughs> the Patreon menagerie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we want to say thank you to all of our current patrons. Steve, take it away. 
I would like to thank Phil. Mm. I know you I asked for Steve, but I Andy summoned me. He looked in the mirror and said my name three times, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and I just I had nothing else better to do, so I hopped on a bus. You know, they're protesting Amazon somewhere in the country because that's what always happens. And I thought I'd come down here and talk about the Patreon members of streaming things like Phil, who's a great American comma leader. She's fantastic. I love her. Uh, Carrie, you know what Carrie doesn't do? Cross the picket line. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> Our foreign dignitary, Enza. Of course, we can't forget Enza. <laughs> Thank you, Cake. I love you, Cake. I personally like plain vanilla cake, but I also like you. Uh, Katie, thank you so much for not buying Amazon products. We got to boycott them. The people need the power. Daniel, thank you so much for just everything. Just everything. You know what I'm talking about, Daniel. You know what I'm talking about. Jimmy, thank you, Jimmy. I just spilled water. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. That was part of, that was, you know, that wasn't me. That was the big corporations. That was the billionaires. They did that. Those are the one percenters in that. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, actually, Steve wants to cut in on this. Actually, uh, thank you, Sarah. This is Steve, not Bernie Sanders. Uh, uh-huh. Sarah shared with me a hilarious story about loofahs in Florida, and uh, thank you for that, personally. That sounds interesting. Let's not dive deeper. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, E. Lopez. You're great. And thank you, Kyle. You only, you are not quite the contributor as the other ones, but we still appreciate it. <laughs> Damn, Bernie putting Kyle on blast. Thank you, Patreon members. But yeah, thank you guys for uh, letting us keep the lights on. But also, you know, just even if you're not a Patreon subscriber, thank you for listening to us all these years, especially after this year of uh, constant uh, content from us. Just to, to quote the sport ballers, 100%. 100%. 100%. I hate the the 100%. I'm part of the, the 99%. I'm not about that. Right, that last percent just makes it evil. Bernie, get out of here. Have you even streamed anything, Bernie? In all honesty, you know, uh, we, we do watch a lot of stuff. Sometimes it requires some movie tickets. Sometimes it requires an extra month subscription to fucking Showtime to finish a show. Wait, who subscribes to Showtime? I do, baby, because I want to talk about Yellow Jackets, <laughs> stuff like that, right? So that's, that stuff costs money, and, and we really appreciate you helping us do what we love. Also important to note that if you'd like to email the show, you can do so at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That is streamingthingspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at streamthingpod. You and all the other 60 motherfuckers can just tweet amidst the lo- the lightning and love you can also follow us individually andy's got a fucking phenomenal name check this out at andy most days isn't that clever he's that andy good. most days in fact he's andy every day because that's his name but that makes it clever and fun i just think it's a joy but it's nowhere near <laughs> as clever as steve's twitter handle steve <sighs> i'm about to knock your socks off andy you're sitting high on that creativity pedestal. I'm about to kick it out from under you. My Knock Twitter handle is at Steve May 13. Oh, my God. It's God. so clever because he is Steve May 13. I don't know. I it's got so nothing. clever because I was the 13th person to request the name Steve May. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got on the Twitter people. too late. <laughs> That's not nothing. There's 6 billion people on this planet. And mine is at C. Michael Writes. We love interacting with you guys. Enza and a lot of those folks, Phil, tweet at me all the time. We talk about movies and stuff. Join the conversation. Request things for me to watch. It's a hoot and we love it. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Is there any other business? Uh, business, 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 business. I'm about to give you the business. Okay, Dan, that moves us to our, uh, what do we call this? Ancillary event? Uh, Extra content? Lovely segment that we like to call Crossing Streams.
Andy's over here drinking Scooter. <laughs> Scooter. He's got a blood orange Scooter. The Muppet? That is actually my favorite Scooter. character from The Dukes of Hazard. Scooter? Scooter. I've never seen a single episode of that. Moment. Really? Or the movie, none of it. Them Duke boys are in this bucket of syrup. How are they going to get out of it? Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. It takes place in Hazard, Kentucky, man. How could you not? It's uh-huh. just a, that is, that's in our blood. Is that why hog. they're the Hazard? Yeah, the Dukes of Hazard. It's yeah. a city. Oh, also, yeah. they're in the clan. <laughs> uh, they're not. They're not. They just have a little rebel flag on the I mean, car. I took Dukes of Hazard like Dukes of Calamity. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, they're the Dukes. The Dukes of Calamity. The Dukes of thing, the bad things that happen. You just spawned a wonderful fantasy novel idea in my head. The Dukes of Calamity. Like Crossing it. Streams is the segment where each week we talk about the things we've been streaming since last we met. And I've been having a rough start to 2022, guys. I, I find myself unable to just brave uh, any new content as it were. I hate calling it content. Preach. I, I haven't wanted to, to, to just dive into any like lengthy dramatic anything. Right. So I've watched a few shows though. Maybe that's what it is. I can blame it on the, the amount of television I've been consuming. Cause that's a good 10 hours to f- you know, finish a season there. That's five ish movies or two Zack Snyder justice leagues. However you want to look at it. Um, <laughs> But Andy, what have you been managing to stream since last we sat betwixt one another? Wait, betwixt? It's, it's not it. Betwixt Steve. <laughs> Bethrice. Steve is betwixt us. I am the love sandwich. I am the meat. You are the bread. No. Rest in peace. Meatloaf. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Oh, man. Meatloaf. R.I.P. Meatloaf. That is, um, okay. So first off, I have not been streaming any Dukes of Hazard, and I'm real sorry, guys. I know I said I was gonna. This Andy's done it again. <laughs> I, I didn't do it. He I done not it. watched an Sheriff episode Rusko of... P. Coltrane. Okay. I've never seen it either. So speaking of the te- t- the, the televisions that uh, are taking over Chris's uh, streaming time, mm-hmm. I dived into a little thing that Chris has been trying to get me to watch for a really long time. I watched the first episode of Euphoria. Yes. On HBO Max. Mm, I've been girl. those TikTok memes. You guys. It's really good. <laughs> he was right. It, it's it's honestly like the one of the most accurate portrayals of drug addiction that I've seen in a hot minute. Um, having had a checkered past very similar to Chris and having had the same checkered past for much of our respective checker pass mm-hmm. intertwined and he actually won a checker championship indubitably uh <laughs> in the past <laughs> yeah it was whoa weird. anyway um it, it it was crazy how accurate it was when they're talking about like how to pass a drug test and oh yeah you can take like niacin but it might fuck you up your skin's gonna flush and i'm like i totally took niacin when i was on diversion and it didn't work and it did make my skin flush and i did almost die and she was totally right like that uh, it, it was crazy how accurate it was to see the girl, uh, the girl going through like a, a coming of age period in her life. She's like, what, a sophomore in high school? At, in, in the I start? think she's like 17. Okay. So she's very young, still high school, not as even a senior. Is this yet. Zendaya? This is Zendaya, um, whose character name I don't know. Rue. 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 That's right. They do the little Hunger Games joke yeah. at the beginning. I'm like, nice. Um, <laughs> that's, that's good. I like yeah. That. We do it for Rue and this little kiss. Um, but no, the, like her portrayal of like a high school addict was fucking dead on. And uh, it was every bit what we went through Uh doing drugs i don't know if that we were quite as hard off as she was in high school that feels like more early college for us it doesn't matter but still like basically the same age and 
very, very, very accurate to our experience. And uh, in that regard, and I, this is probably the best praise that I can give it, it was extremely uncomfortable to watch uh, because it hit really, really close to home. And uh, just it, it made me uncomfortable. It's kind of like watching uh, Requiem for a Dream, which is a phenomenal movie that I never, ever want to watch again, you know. Um, and so I felt that a lot with Euphoria. Now, I'm only an hour in one episode and uh, ostensibly have what, like 20 hours to go, mm, something like that. 13, 14. Yeah. A lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm in for a doozy for sure. But uh, I absolutely want to keep going just because like. I not just like the accuracy of it, but also the the character establishment, like there isn't really much plot, at least in the first episode. It's basically like, hey, yeah, I'm a drug addict and I'm going to go to this party later is the first episode. And that's pretty much it. But it does a really good job of establishing like the community, all of these different characters, the drug dealer with the heart of gold, the little kid in the cooler with the face tattoos. I don't know what's up with him, but he seems awesome. Ash, yeah, he's cool. I want to see more. Um, but yeah, that that show was pretty fucking rad. Uh, at least a little bit I watched. I'm ashamed that it took me this long to watch it. But what I did watch, I liked a lot. Have I, we? Have you talked about this, Chris? Since because you're the biggest fan of this show. But have have you talked about it since it's we haven't second recorded? Season? We haven't recorded since Euphoria season two. I don't think. Yeah, I expect that'll come up in your crossing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Other than that, I watched a uh, made-for-TV movie called Truth or Dare, not to be mistaken for the release in theaters Truth or Dare that came out a year later. I watched the 2017 Truth or Dare with my girlfriend. Uh, it was, Is this like a horror film? Yes. It's basically uh, a group of kids uh, rent out a cabin wherein uh, other kids played Truth or Dare once and they all died. And then, lo and behold, the house is haunted and they're forced into a game of Truth or Dare by a malevolent spirit and uh i hate when that happens yeah you know yeah it happens to the best of us though it does yeah you can't really it's bound to it's bound to um, malevolent spirit come on come on malevolent spirit i gotta go to work <laughs> <laughs> for what it was which was a made for tv horror movie it was fine um it had some fun kills uh anything with fingernails is always gonna freak me out and there yeah. is a scene where somebody gets a fingernail pride so is this the movie where it's like you have to play truth or dare or you like die uh yeah, yeah kind of it's like, like three years old or you something? either do it or the dare does you is the rule within <laughs> within the world <laughs> oh. <laughs> i'm in right mm, dare <laughs> um yeah I, and so in as far as like prom the promise of the premise they deliver their truth or dare happens and these kids have to do horrific things to themselves or each other but as far as like establishing a plot, having a through line, having a climax that's remotely satisfying, we don't get any of that. So what's stopping them from just saying truth all the time? They don't get to choose. Oh, okay. So they they're just there's a stack of cards. In the start of the movie, they all write down truth or dare things, like either a question or a dare. Okay. And they put a stack of cards. And then people start drawing and then one of them comes up and it says, did you sleep with this person? And it was like a character moment between the people like, uh oh, uh, this person did sleep with this person. And they're like, who the fuck wrote that? And none of them had. And then the next one was put your hand on the stove. And it was like, oh, what the fuck? And then the vegan girl draws one and says, go eat his burnt flesh. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? 
Uh, but I don't know how many times in a movie. Of course, the vegan gets that one. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I don't know how many times in a movie, like, you have to have a character state the most. Sorry, that was Penny. Um, I don't know how many times you can have a character like state the most obvious mundane bullshit. Like I can't do this anymore. I don't want to, you guys, that, that line, I can't do this anymore is dropped like probably 20 times in the first 30 minutes. It is fucking dumb. And they're, then they, they just decide that they, they can't do to. it. <laughs> and, then, and then they have to. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm well, going I think, too long on it. No, you never, no, that's what we do. We talk about movies, man. Uh-huh. I appreciate it. I, I, I was thinking about when you were talking that, though. It, it, that's something I've, especially with horror films, and it's why I don't like write them. It's very difficult for me. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and I, I have a hard time articulating the sensation that I get, but it, it happens in every movie. But specifically with horror, it's like, how do you accurately portray this character? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, it's not entertaining if they're just a blubbery mess, completely frozen in fear and killed instantly, mm-hmm. which is what I would think how I would react in like 90% most, of these most people. Yeah. I guess. Right. But I'm like being honest, like definitely me. Right. I'm like, I'm not doing as much as I want to say, well, don't go in there. The obvious thing to do is to get the axe downstairs. I'm like, OK, I'm done. Right. right. We all know I'm done. <laughs> but also you can't have them be too. Uh, what's the word too unaffected, you know, too unaffected or cavalier or so it's like this right mixture of accepting the circumstances. Okay. There's a malevolent spirit like, you know, because in reality it's like, there's a fucking what, you know, like yeah. it's just, how do you get past that realistically and, and have the, the audience buy in? Uh, I think it's hard to strike that balance. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what that writer failed to do is hundred percent. Oh, she's going to be really confused and upset. And we just have to keep hammering that. And it's like, you want to move beyond that and enjoy the plot now. Uh, so I think that's tough. And I'm glad you noticed sure. that. Cause that's something I think about a lot. When, well, when we were done, I watched that with Sarah, she had watched it previously with her brother and she was like, yeah, there's like really cool kills and stuff. And I'm like, sweet, yeah, let's go. And then afterwards I'm like talking to her about it. And, uh, I, I I did a thing that I do a lot with because uh, she was like, I feel like you're a harsh critic. And she's right. I, like when the movie was done, I kind of just looked at her um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, so I did I did a thing that we learned in a uh, writing workshop class, which is that you always start with the positive. And I was like, there was one shot in this movie that blew my mind. And this uh, I, I've talked about this before in the podcast. I look for these tiny moments of brilliance in horror movies because generally horror movies are not great. But most horror movies have some bit of like absolute shine through the diamond in the rough moment. And this had one of those where it was like one of the characters was just obsessed with filming things at all times. He had a little Ronin that he was carrying around a whole bunch. Oh, he had a Ronin. He did have a little Which Ronin. One? Was there, we talking I, RS2? We I, think talking <laughs> I think it was like a Ronin S like the oh, little, okay. little handheld one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I used yeah. to work one of those. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. I love running Ronins. But, but there was a, uh, there was a little, uh, moment where he's stuck in a dorm and, uh, he, a, a character has just passed and, uh, he's playing with his camera and then the camera starts controlling itself, which Ronins can do. You can remotely what? control them and starts looking around <laughs> and then he picks it up and he's looking through it. But then he sees the dead character, uh, the character that's just passed on his dorm room bed and it was a really cool edit where he's looking through the uh, the viewfinder, which is his phone, and then over it to the bed where there's nobody, and then back where there, there's the girl. Now she's moving closer, almost like the ring. Oh, okay. Um, and then they do this cool, like, slow frame rate. She's all jerky motion stuff. Uh, that was awesome. But, yeah, so I did the writer's workshop thing where I'm like, that was super cool. 
but the rest of the movie. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, it was worth watching just for that moment because I live for those in these types of movies where I'm like, there's got to be something. And it was and it was there. And like just that thing, like and even now, thinking about it, like I'm kind of getting chills. I'm like, yeah, that was really good. Um, so uh, you mentioned Ronin's um, and they can, can be controlled mm-hmm. separately. You can control it from your phone. So totally. it, it uses the gyroscopic uh, sensors in your phone. And so if I tilt my phone up, the, the camera will look up. Right. And if I you know look left and right, the camera will also look left and right. I've had this idea for a short film and I hope none of our listeners steal this because that would not be cool. But I've always had this <laughs> this short film idea where it's someone operating a Ronin, but the Ronin like looks back and I'm like, hey, buddy, why don't you have a good and you like puppet the camera. <laughs> so the camera's like actually a character. It's like, hey, buddy, that's oh, like, you could do it like uh, number five or whatever. Johnny the, five. Johnny five from yeah. the 80s. Yeah. And I've, just, I've always wanted to sit down and write that script and just have a, just a man and his Ronin. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a real good job. And it, and if, like if, Finch, the new Tom Hanks. Yeah. Movie. And if, if you guys don't know, when I keep saying Ronin, that's just a camera stabilization gimbal. Yes. So that, yeah, that explained it to our non-film savvy a folks. Camera stabilization gimbal. Yeah. It's a little thing that you, you hold, a handheld camera Think of it as a selfie stick. There you that go. Keeps things stable. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's right. put it put it on my level. Well, if, if you like, and I know you didn't like it, but if you like uh, uh, low budget horror films based on uh, party games, there's one called Would You Rather. I've seen that as well. You've yeah. seen it? Yeah, it's got okay. Britney Snow in it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And Sasha Gray. Oh yeah, that's of, right. Uh, porn star fame. Uh, yeah, I was about to say the, the porn star. Yeah, <laughs> she actually does a really good. Actually, side note, I know this is gonna go dangerously close to territory that could make me uncomfortable. However, uh, I, I really look up to Sasha Gray. I think she's awesome. Um, she's got like a huge uh, Twitch game streaming business now. Uh, and she you, seems to have uh, gotten out of that business with uh, a plum and a ton of money and was just really smart about it. I know that, I think she went to Harvard or something like that. I know she wrote a book. She's like a, a really brilliant woman. And I just want to throw that out there. She also had um, sex on camera. Good for her. Right. Like whatever. Right. But we could um, all be so lucky. But I wish she would do. I think she's in something big coming up, too, because I know she wants to start like a, a mainstream acting career. But uh, I just saw her face in this movie and had seen it because of research purposes elsewhere and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 and uh, but the, the movie's interesting and there are some really interesting kills. And uh, yeah, it was pretty same same vibe. there. like, yeah, movie overall, not great, but think, some think neat stuff. very, very similar with half the budget or less. Oh, OK, so worse than would you rather yes okay. yeah I'll probably skip it i'll probably skip it uh, but like i said that one scene was worth it for me and that's pretty much it going to a much 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 better horror movie that i just watched uh that's available on amazon prime i just watched uh, you looked at me like i knew the answer to this <laughs> no, I just, is it available on amazon prime? <laughs> <laughs> and i'm rubbing my hands together while i'm talking steve i'm really sorry i don't know why i started doing that um i don't even know what movie you're about to say man i just watched uh sinister uh, directed oh, by Scott Derrickson. That is a great movie. Written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill uh, from 2012. Has it really been 10 years? Has it been that long? It's, it's got to oh, have been. Oh, wow. I'm going to look that up. It's got to have been because then he did feel old. Doctor Strange. They, they have a new one coming out here in a couple months, uh, The Black Phone. And I'm really yeah, excited I'm about so that. I'm so excited for that. Dude, Ethan Hawke. Dude turned. Yeah, yeah this is, is Ethan Hawke again. Yeah. Because it was him and Sinister. It is 2012. Yeah, there you go. Wow. 10 years later, they're bringing him back and they're doing it again. Scott Derrickson, C. Robert Hart Cargill. And dude, Sinister is a fucking phenomenal movie. It's a good movie. It's really, really good. It does occasionally rely on jump scares a little too much. But like as far as like establish a premise, 
be creepy and fucking pull it off, like pay off on your premise. They fucking crush it. Like this is a solid fucking horror movie and it's creepy and it's got some great kills, but it it doesn't like veer into being like just a gore fest. It's not like Mm -hmm. watching hostile or anything. There's some kills and even most of them are like voyeur kills. I don't want to say too much because I don't ever want to spoil those kind of things. Right. Um, just yeah, the the I way need to watch it again. I probably haven't seen it since 2012. I hadn't either. Um, Sarah and I had started to watch it like a month ago, and we both um, made it about 10 minutes in and fell asleep on the couch. But um, the other night, we uh, she fell asleep within 10 minutes again. But I sat up and watched the <laughs> I sat up and watched the whole fucking thing, and I was like, oh my god, I forgot how fucking good this movie is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything about it is big fantasy. Robert Cargill. He's got a a podcast called Script Notes where he. Uh, helps people learn how to write screenplays and mm. he's really active on Twitter in like an engaging way to, to peons like me and mm-hmm. responsive. And, and that, that means a lot to me and he's really cool. So I'm really excited for black phone. And I'm really sad that I know everybody loves Sam Raimi. I'm not the biggest fan, honestly. Um, but I, you know, Scott Derrickson was originally going to do multiverse of madness yeah. and, and, and they wrote C. it Robert together. Cargill and wrote, Oh, uh, that was Dr. Cool, Strange. Yeah. And I was really excited about that. So mm-hmm. whatever. It's not, happening. I mean, I'm happy that Raimi's differences, you know, stand up for your art. Yeah. I'm happy. Raimi's like back in the MCU verse, but I really would have loved to have seen their, their version of Dr. Strange. Yeah. Well, the first version was their version. It's yeah. same guys. Well, like the multiverse. Yeah. Cause he, the, was, oh, yeah. he was really he wanted to make it that now horror film. that they had, yeah. they didn't, they got the origin story out of the way. Yeah. yeah they, I want to see that a lot. Cause they fun. were, they were really selling the horror aspect of it. And I would, I was, yeah, really they totally backed off on that now that everybody's so horny for cameos and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing I watched, I watched the, uh, entire 15th season of always sunny in Philadelphia. And, uh, it is fantastic. Uh, it takes place almost entirely in Ireland, which is really cool. I think that the uh, change of location helped a lot with the uh, potential stagnation of the series. Yeah. When you're 15 seasons in on a sitcom, like what more can you do? And apparently a lot. It was super fucking funny. Like really, really I need to really continue good. that. I'm still like barely into season two and you keep Same. begging me to watch that show. But that's a show like I'll watch the first season, really enjoy it. And then for whatever reason, I start watching other stuff no, and forget to go back to it's it. It's one of those that like, for no reason do I stop. I'm yeah. having a great time. Right. I'm just like, nah, one day. Yeah. And uh, I don't <laughs> and know. It, do- it, it doesn't even get start getting brilliant until like season three or four. So like season one is fine. Maybe that's why we just need to barrel through it. It starts getting absolutely fucking brilliant and has not stopped since then. It Mm -hmm. is so funny. Um, And yeah, the dudes straight up don't miss. I mean, like you've watched Mythic Quest and you love it, right? Mythic Quest is phenomenal. And same, exact same people making it. That started off strong, though. Yeah. The only thing I can probably compare it to in advance. Well, that was a dude in his prime at that point when he made it. It's Parks and Rec. Like, Mm. season one is like, eh, Uh, okay, eh. And then it by season three, it's like the best show of all time. Like mm-hmm. it's just I'm crying at every episode. I love these characters. It's so funny. I legitimately think that Always Sunny is my favorite show of all time. Wow. Okay. Like, wow. It is that good. Drawing a line in the by sand. The way, I don't know. I'm, this might be rude if you have brought it up, but I'm curious because I think it's out. Because you went on this like month long. I'm rewatching Dexter thing, and I haven't heard you talk about Dexter New Blood. I haven't gotten to it yet. 
That is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, so I had just. You were so hyped and you watched the whole thing. Oh, I haven't finished. No, I haven't finished my Dexter rewatch. Oh, okay. Uh, so that is season nine. I'm on season seven. Right I thought now. you just petered out as soon as the new no, shit came. No, 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 no. I, I, I've been trying to. I, my goal was to You're finish. You're on the lesser seasons though. Right. Yeah. I, like it's not great. Yeah. Anymore. Now it's hard. Well, like, don't torture yourself. You well, know, I, I mean, I got to get through it in order to watch the new shit. And I'm only watching this because Sarah wants to like the I'm well past when Dexter was good. And now I'm like in the golden years of Dexter, <laughs> but I, the I twilight I, years, yeah, the twilight years. but I got to get through that in order to know what has happened in order to watch the new season with Sarah. And the goal was to finish all of it before the new season came out or I, before the new season finished. I, I missed that. I've got bad only, news. Only just. Yeah, it's not great, apparently. I've, I've heard from Dexter <laughs> oh, fans. Really? Dexter New Blood, Blood. I thought not it was great. getting good reviews. It got middling I... reviews, but I heard that the finale. I think they shit the bed again. I, well, again? no. I heard... <laughs> I, they I... learned nothing? <laughs> I heard that it's better than it was, and I don't know what it was. I mean, low bar. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know the bar. It's I'm, I'm going to find out the bar real soon. Uh, Steve, what the heck? Have you been streaming? What the heck? I should just let it what hang. The, what the heck, Steve? Steve? What the heck? What low bar have you been crying? By the way, when you the reason I made a face at you and laughed was when you said run and Ronin. Because you saw my face. Yeah, right. Like, look at that face. When you said run and Ronin, I was thinking of that the song run in, run own, run in. You know, <laughs> I don't know. That was dumb. But I just want to explain because otherwise it looked like I was just like exasperated with your face. I'm just used to that reaction though. <laughs> okay, okay. So it didn't offend you. Good, good, good. What uh, have you been streaming? So I. I know we talked about this last time, but I kind of want to bring it up again because I really... Star have, Trek? No, no, no. I'm oh. not... I will not bring it up ever again. I solemnly swear. <laughs> I will, quote, make it so. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. But I do... This is a show I brought up last time. I do want to talk about it again because some shit has happened and I want to talk about it. Right? I got to get this shit off my chest, Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a show called The Book of a Mr. Bob A. Feet, the book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Um, so before, this was a couple weeks ago, last time we met, uh, Chris and I were talking about how the show wasn't that great. Um, it was like a worse version of The Mandalorian. It was too similar to Mandalorian, but not quite nailing it. Um, and I do want to say, the the following two episodes that have released since we last recorded, I think are steps in the right direction i'm mm-hmm. definitely much more interested in the show now than i was then i, I think chris is on the same boat with me on this i agree um but I oh, did, you kept up with it i did what what why, why would you agree chris i'm, I'm i can't curious. help but watch a star war i don't know why i don't really? like most star wars i know but i watch all of them weird the live action ones maybe I, yes yeah. So maybe I do like them. Uh, it's kind of funny because I've got a really close you friend like of mine. The world. That, that Yeah, I do. I love the world. Um, I got a really close friend of mine that said that the show was awesome. And he's a huge Star Wars fan, but he's the toxic kind that's like hates The Last Jedi. Uh, and what? But that's fine. But then won't watch any other Ryan Johnson movies because he thinks it's like, like pers- watch personally his fault. His oh, I left that out on my cross his stream. Loss. I rewatched Knives Out. So great. My dude, anyway, my dude for watching that. I just want to know that skins. So he texts me. I told him I think the show's trash because that's how we talk to each other. We like overcompensate. We actually secretly hate each other. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a whole thing. And he's like, no, you're wrong. It's amazing. And then he texts me after episode four and said, that's, that was garbage. You're, I think you're right. 
And I, then I was like, oh, interesting. And then I, because I, I really liked three. And then I watched four and I was like, I think that was light years better than one and two. So we're just never on the same wavelength, man. Like you're, you're trying to throw an olive branch my way, but I agree with you. I, a lot of people are really knocking the, uh, the teenage biker gang. Yeah. The I quote unquote power Rangers as people have started calling them the lost know, boys. I don't know why I love it. I think it's a neat cyberpunk direction to go in the star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And the execution's not perfect. Like the, 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 the futuristic motorcycles that they ride look like the hover rounds. Remember those old commercials where the old lady would They're be at the grand Vespas. Canyon and be, yeah. yeah. And be like, I can go anywhere. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that from, we were like, I, I don't remember that, that. but uh, Andy, that, you do. I do. That's what it reminds me of. But one of the, the young ladies in that gang is actually the main character in yellow jackets, which I was watching simultaneously. Oh, okay. She's the one with the robot arm. Yes. The robot I, arm. She's like the mullet blonde. Like she's the punk. Kid. Yes. Yeah. It's the same, same with like haircut and everything. So I, I really adore her. So I was like, this is awesome. You know, kind of crossover thing. Cause I'm like watching yellow jackets at the same time. Um, anyway, I like a lot of the stuff that they're doing now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I want to touch on the, the Power Rangers people because they're getting so much hate. Like a lot of people are like you pointing to them like this is the most un-Star Wars thing I've ever seen. And to I think a point, it is too in a good way. To a point, I see what they're saying. But, but it's they're also, running out there saying green power, red power, black power. No, they're oh, yeah, it's so weird. They, they form have, a Megazord. Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> no, they, it, well, it's really interesting having you guys bounce back and forth. I have no frame of reference so, right now. You're like the Power Range people with the little zoomy bikes <laughs> no, so all right think of someone that walked off the set of cyberpunk 2077 okay and then got onto a bright green so say red yellow blob of polygons <laughs> <laughs> no they've they're, they've all got quote-unquote modded so like one guy has like a cybernetic eye one of them has like a they look like steampunk characters they don't okay. look like star wars steampunk they just look like Steampunk, steampunk. Okay. and they're all where they all drive these little uh speeder bikes that look more like vespas but they're even though the show takes place in Tatooine, which is this dirty, grimy desert planet, their Vespas are like spotless. These are like a true motorcycle gang of kids who like upkeep their their bikes, and so they're like pristine and polished. But and one that's got like pure green, this one's got pure red, this one's pure yellow. That's why people keep calling them like the Power Rangers, right? Because oh, okay. um, they're strolling up. And on its face, I have no problem with this. Because if you know George Lucas, you know the motherfucker made American Graffiti, and that is American Graffiti. Like, yeah. their bikes look like an American Graffiti, but if they were hover bikes, right? Yeah. The, But, like, there is, I think, a discussion to have about why they don't necessarily work in the world. And I think that falls only on Robert Rodriguez, who is the uh, director of Episode 3. Yeah. Because episode three, episode 3, I think, is really, really good. But there is a chase scene... <laughs> Where the the speeder bike gang kids are chasing this other character who's like on like a just like a land speeder and they're chasing him through the city. It's one of the most poorly directed action scenes I've ever seen because it looks like it's happening at 15 miles an hour. Yes, <laughs> and, it does. And it does. And to, 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 to just picturing it happen. Like crazy. imagine someone on a Vespa slowly chasing someone on like a flat car. <laughs> And it's basically the scene. And the, the thing that make it worse is like, you know, they were editing this in the editing bay and like, man, this is really, this looks like it's taking place at 15 miles per hour. How are we going to fix this? And the, the editor's like, 
well, you know, we've got After Effects on this computer. Why don't we just add, add motion blur to their bikes oh, to make no. it look like they're going faster? But they're not going fast. So it's just these blurry characters <laughs> moving at 15 miles an hour. So, yes, Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's the and only bad thing. Dukes of Hazard earlier, they keep like fishtailing around these corners into like random stacks of boxes and fruit and stuff like you would see in old 70s car chases yeah. like to, to make it dramatic like mm-hmm. and somebody walking through the street like hey you know like <laughs> my shopping cart yeah. it's the same thing and it's yeah. it's really robert rodriguez i love him i'm a right. huge fan of desperado alongside kevin smith and tarantino was robert rodriguez in that indie film revolution mm-hmm. hats off to him he is uh corny. unforgivably corny and always yes. has been. Yes. Um, like the from dusk till dawn, all that stuff where like the the gun comes out of the cod piece, that kind of stuff is always him. And so when I see his name on this, I'm like, interesting choice, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he's like the Boba Fett guy because the episode of Mandalorian where Boba Fett returned. Yeah. Episode was, one was Robert Rodriguez. Was Robert as well. Rodriguez. Yeah. So he, I guess, for whatever reason, he's the Boba Fett dude in the Star Wars universe now. Um, that being said. I think episode three and episode four is taking the the show in the right direction because of all the negatives you can say about the book of Boba Fett. The thing that I think it's nailing in terms of Star Wars and I think what's current Star Wars needs is that it's opening up the world exponentially. Because even though this is a show that only takes place on Mos Espa and Tatooine is they're adding characters and they're adding layers to like the world that is... It's kind of like, uh, you remember when A New Hope came out and everyone's like, oh, there's that alien at the bar. That alien has a name and a backstory. This show is just that constantly. It's like, oh, here's this really cool looking Wookiee bounty hunter named Black Cursitan. And he's really, really cool. That's a cool name. And it's a dope name. And he's fucking badass. And he rips off Trandoshan arms and they actually like talk about how Trandoshans hunt Wookiees and stuff. And there's that... That uh, that rivalry between the two species. There's two huts that are called the twins, and there's this like kind of gross Lannister thing happening with them, where they're kind of like curled up with each other on the on this bed that's being carried by what looks like forty uh, litter, litter, yeah, a litter, yeah. It's called a litter nice. with like forty like slaves carrying them on a litter, and they're just these gross ass huts that are wrapped up amongst each, uh, each other, like. And the one guy's using a fucking mouse as a handkerchief, <laughs> and it's like little stuff like that. I think they're and the rancor are actually really sweet. Yeah, and the the greatest Star Wars cameo of all time is the new Rancor handler is Danny Trejo. Because it's Robert Rodriguez uh, that's yeah. in charge of the show. Yeah, and, Danny Trejo, <laughs> and just watching Danny Trejo walk up to a Star Wars set and be like, you know, Rancors are really emotional creatures. <laughs> <laughs> fucking inject that in my veins. That's so great. Yeah. I love it. I'm having a good time, too. Um, but the, the point I really wanted to drive home is uh, a lot of Star Wars fans, as we mentioned in the past, are toxic. And a lot of that conversation kind of gears is like aimed towards Kathleen Kennedy, the the, the main producer of Lucasfilm. Which has nothing to do with sexism. No, no nothing at all. Yeah. Because so. uh, like when anything bad happens in Star Wars, they're like, fuck Kathleen Kennedy. She ruined Star Wars. She's the reason Star Wars sucks now because Kathleen Kennedy. Not understanding that... She's a producer. She's not making the art. Um, and but, all but these when, people also hated Stor- George Lucas's next three Star Wars movies. Yeah, but then, actually but, four, really. But, but nowadays, people like forget <laughs> that they're like the prequels are good, right? Eh. Um, <laughs> but when anything good happens in Star Wars, so like Mandalorian comes out, or the Clone Wars, or uh, some other good Star Wars, Rogue One, no one ever says, "Man, way to go, Kathleen Kennedy." 
she right. was also the producer of all those movies. Right. And you can acceptable. You did your job. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Bengals. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> she lost, but we won. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy is a producer who is who is taking part of the high end level things of like administration. She's hiring people. She's getting crews together. She's not creating storylines. She's not approving storylines. She scheduled the the filming on Tatooine because it's hard to get a set there built. Right. Right. Yeah. And this very far away. Yeah, they filmed Dune on Tatooine, actually. I believe it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. You got it. Unless I'm much mistaken. No. But You're like, right. but like I'm happy to see finally that people who have a problem with this Star Wars show, because this show is pretty divisive. People are finally saying, man, Jon Favreau really sucked out on this show. Like, thank f- I'm finally I'm so happy someone finally nit- like gave criticism towards people who actually had a hand, even though I don't agree with them necessarily. At least the person you're attacking had something to do with this show. Didn't John Favreau create the Mandalorian? He did. He did. So um, they say he sucks now because of book of Boba Fett. He also did the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's a writer. It's hard to say book of Boba Fett and not sound like an idiot. Book of Boba Fett. Really? The book of Boba Fett. So, so I know that I've gone really long on book of Boba Fett, but I had to get that off. My chest. You crushed it, dude. Fucking Boba Fett. <laughs> now let's talk about what I really want to talk about. I know it's coming. Go ahead, buddy. You do it. I'll jump in. Actually, you've you been watching wait, something else. Is this the one that else? I can't this see? This is the thing. It's the thing that Andy cannot see. Yeah, I want Andy to watch this show, but there's really no point because he can't see it anyway. It's Peacemaker on HBO. Why can't Starring I? John Cena, who you cannot see. Uh, <laughs> we've been giving Andy that joke for like the last two hours. Like, uh, it's a really, it's an. Uh, you guys, I get. I can't it take credit for that joke. It's all over the internet for years now, but I, it brings me great joy. I like my wife was like, we were watching Peacemaker, and she's like, you know, John Cena is actually like a really good guy, and I was like, I don't know that. I assume so. What do you mean? And she's like, well. He does a lot of like hospital visits to people that are dying of cancer. It's like yeah, he holds thing. the and record for make a wish. Yeah, uh, most make a wish visits. Yeah, um, and she told this story about this young girl who had leukemia, and John Cena came to visit her, and she was all like teary eyed, telling me this story. And I let I was letting it hang for a couple seconds. And I was real quiet, and I was like, "That's really sad, though." And uh, she's like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "I mean, she can't see John Cena, so it's terrible." <laughs> And like, she just like was staring at me for a long time and I was being quiet, just watching the TV, waiting for the reaction I wanted. And she's like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's, it, that's a thing I love about the internet. I was watching him on Jimmy Fallon tell the story of when he came up with the thing, you can't see me for WWE and, uh, all the comments were just like, why is Jimmy Fallon talking to an empty chair? And like, it's just this thing we've all agreed to perpetuate. And it's, it's funny. But Andy, Peacemaker is not only good. It is one of the best things that I have seen in years. It brings me it's tremendous amazing. joy. John Cena was born for this character. Yeah. And James Gunn's writing is flawless. His his comedic timing is flawless. He knows exactly how to use everyone. The cast is amazing. He makes the fact that Peacemaker survived Suicide Squad sort of believable, but also calls attention to the fact that it's not in a way that's really funny. Like, it's just 
I can't say enough good things about this show. I've been having an absolute fucking blast. So it takes blast. place after uh, the suicide mm-hmm. squad. Yeah, it yes. does. And really? He, he's in the hospital and he's like, the doctor's like, it's actually really miraculous. The building fell on you. You got shot and you just have a broken collarbone. It's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> and like, it's obviously a joke about why right. would he be alive still? And James Gunn's like, fuck it. This is how we're going to do this. And, yeah, right. and it works. It, the tone of the show is perfect. It knows what it is. This show is equal parts ridiculous, silly, gory, but also heartfelt like all the things, you know, several months ago when we did the review of the suicide squad, all of those things we loved about it is in this show as well, if not more. Yeah. Oh, wow. In fact, I'm going to go and this isn't a hot take, but I'm going to, I'm going to go on this hill with so many other people to die on and say that this is the greatest opening credits of any television show of all time. Like the opening credit scene that plays in every episode is so fucking good. I love it so much because it's purposefully awful. (laughs) James Gunn has gone on record to say that it will change and develop in meaning over time as you see more of the plot unfold of the show. So if you've been paying attention to it as episodes progress, progress, because there's little things that you'll notice that kind of make sense now. Um, And I I can't wait to see more. Um, Dude, it's. I can't say enough without spoiling. I'm trying to think of ways to like get you excited for this, but it's John Cena and this is a hard R show. Very uh, hard R. Yeah. I mean, there's everything that you can imagine in a rated R is all over the show. They say the F word more than Kevin Smith Smith films. And like, he's got this friend, this sidekick named vigilante. Who's like another quote unquote superhero. Uh, and they really call attention to the fact that like, are you a hero or are you a villain? And do you even know? That's what I was uh, most concerned about is like, by the end of that movie, I kind of hated him and they make, they redeem him perfectly while not letting him off the hook. I mean, yeah. it's brilliant, but he's got this buddy and they are psychotic and he's not making any bones about that either. Like this guy named vigilante who's obsessed with peacemaker. And he's just like this kick-ass esque dork who is really lethal, but is also a super nerd. Uh, and I can't, it's so fucking funny. Like, he's just like, you know, peacemaker, how we are, man. We just, we're all about justice. You know, like we, we catch a murderer or a rapist or a shoplifter. <laughs> we, we gotta kill him. <laughs> That's what we do, man. You know, and it's just like, it's dude. It's so funny. Like they're clearly psychotic murderers. Um, it's got a couple, it's got the actress from, I forget her name, unfortunately, but she's from oranges and oranges, new black. Oh yeah. Um, she, she's really, really good in that. I love what, and again, I don't want to spoil why she, like she has an important relationship to the story mm-hmm. and I really love what they're doing with that relationship. If you've seen the suicide squad, okay, it's very, very interesting what they're doing with that character specifically. I'm looking up her name now because she's great and she deserves the credit. Uh, Daniel Brooks. Okay. She play. Uh, you're referring to. Uh, Leota, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Andy, they're only like, there's four episodes now. They drop three at once. And then the, the fourth, it's every Thursday, but I think they're only like 30 to 40 minutes long. So okay. you could breeze through them. They're so, uh, they're like, they're so fun. They're like 48 minutes on average. You think so? I mean, yeah, they, they feel so short because they're so fun. Yeah, second they are. favorite movie of the year. Oh yeah. I'm saying every bit, everything, like he said, everything you love about the suicide squad is present in the show. And there's a great, I honestly had very low expectations for peacemaker Same. turned it on and was like, Holy shit. That was awesome. I mean, the action's well-directed it's entertaining, Mm -hmm. but it's so funny. It's so funny. And they referenced the movie. I fucked a monster. What am I like a vampire? Am I like a dick vampire now? (laughs) It's so, it's so funny. 
I, there's this really great through line where he's kind of haunted by the fact that he killed Rick Flag, mm-hmm. and that's like something they replay often is him killing Rick Flag and Rick Flag going Peacemaker, what a joke! And he's like, you know, I had to kill Peacemaker, I suck. Yeah. And he has this great, almost Kevin Smith esque diatribe with the na- like his dad's next door neighbor. So he goes and visits his dad often and his next, the dad's next door neighbor is just this old fart. Who's always like trimming his edges. Who's always trying to just start shit with peacemaker. Like, are you a villain or a superhero? And, uh, he goes on this, like, you're not a superhero like Batman. And peacemaker like stops and turns like, Batman has a coterie of supervillains. You don't have a coterie of supervillains. So you yeah, you must know, be a supervillain. You know why I don't have a coterie of supervillains? Because I put those motherfuckers six feet under in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is Batman a hero? Oh, he lets Joker get out every six months from Arkham so he can kill more people. It's just like a great... Which is a good point. Yeah, like from that character's perspective, who like his whole thing is he kills criminals. You could totally see why he has this whole huge like unloaded diatribe about Batman. And they've also the great thing about the show is they've secretly made really insane DC villains canon. Like they made Batmite a canon character. James Gunn is a huge (laughs) DC head and like he's pulling from real characters that are just deep in the mythos of DC lore. Batmite. Yeah. Like (laughs) Matter Eater Lad. You know, like these are real comics that he just is one of the only six people to read. And so he <laughs> takes great joy in bringing them up. Um, but we've we've probably waxed poetically enough. I just I, I'm blown away by how much I love uh, Peacemaker. When this when we're done recording, I'm going to bring up the opening credits for Peacemaker. Just so you okay. can see the beauty of the like listener. If you don't have any interest in the show at all, just go on YouTube and look up the opening credits for Peacemaker. If it doesn't sell you on how hilarious the show is. I don't know what else will. I co-sign that. What else you've been streaming, Steve? Uh, that's it for me. I'll, I'll try to go quickly. I know we've... We... Oh, my God. Were we still on Steve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll go really quickly. I got lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I jumped in because I, I, that's one of my lists, too. But um, I finished Yellow Jackets. I know. I think I talked about it last time you I was did, on yeah. the show. Yeah. That show, is it nailed it. Nailed the landing. I'm really, really excited. I don't want to have any spoilers, but... Uh, there's a casting uh, call, if you will, on the internet for there's a newer character that we found out is alive. Because I explained last time it, it cuts between past and present mm-hmm. and you find out some of the girls from the island are still alive. And and so it added one as I, I predicted it would by the end, but it didn't show who the the older actress in the present was going to be. And I'm like, who should play her that's from like the late 90s, early 2000s that would have the same oomph as, uh, you know, Christina Ricci and, and Juliette Lewis? And uh, the internet suggested Shannon Sossaman from most famously A Knight's Tale. Uh, And I was like, holy shit, that's perfect. Once you know who the character is, you'll agree. But so I'm really excited for that. I hope that happens. Uh, But that station, uh, Yellow Jackets absolutely killed it. I also started watching a show called Station Eleven on HBO. Um, It's a it's a post-apocalyptic pandemic show, which is rough because I know that that woman, John Cusack on Amazon did not do well because it was right in the middle of COVID about a pandemic. Um, This one is beautifully done. Uh, I only watched the pilot, but it's really fucking good and solid. They do the same thing where they cut from um, Andy. You'll love it. I mean, just the the cinematography is really stunning because they do this neat thing where they cut back and forth between past and present, but not really. Like it just shows you, you know that there's an apocalypse, but it stays mostly in the past, at least for the pilot. Um, and it's got a, an actress that you love. She's in um, 
not that I don't love her. I'm just not a huge fan. She's in um, the Kristen Stewart movie, the uh, the Christmas one. Oh, her partner. Yes. What's her oh, name? Oh, I, I can't What's remember. What's the name of the movie even? Yeah, uh, I'm fucking blanking. Happiest Season. Happiest Season. Andy, okay. you knew her when you found out she was in it. You were like, I love her. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, she plays the adult version of Mackenzie the movie. Mackenzie Davis. Yes. I love Mackenzie Davis. Yes, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, so it does this thing where like, it'll be the guy walking along a subway station that's packed full of people. And then he'll like pass through a pillar so the camera gets blocked Mm -hmm. and the next six feet is like moss cracked walls overgrown apocalypse wall of the same space what do they call it steve just masking like a mask at it yeah that's and then it cuts back to people everywhere just like a brief glimpse of the future or like it'll enter a theater hall and it'll all be all the chairs are destroyed the ceilings fallen in there's trees growing up through the floor and it'll like pass over a curtain and then come back and it'll be full of people and bright red curtains and stuff. And it's just really neat and stunning. Um, a really interesting tone. I highly recommend Station Eleven. Everyone else has already recommended. I mean, Twitter is aflame with how like masterpiece uh, this show is. Um, what was that show called? It's called Station Eleven. It's on HBO. And I believe the finale just dropped and it was supposed to be a... 100% stuck the landing kind of thing as well. Sweet. Um, Andy talked about Euphoria. He started it. I've also been barreling through season two. I've been waiting for years for this. And it delivered on a, I don't know, I don't, I don't have the time, but Jesus Christ, did it check every box I could have imagined. Boxes I didn't know were there were checked. The first episode of season two is balls to the wall, batshit crazy. Like season one is all, wow, I can't believe they're going this far into the the sex and drugs of this age group. And I can't believe the camera work is this stunning and the soundtrack slaps this hard. And wow, it's really melodramatic, but in a still simultaneously believable way. I forgot to bring that up. The camera work in that is fantastic. So Especially good. when that trans character is first going to meet the person in the motel, like the way that they did this tracking shot, like... The, like the loneliness of the shot was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's an A24 so production on HBO. So it's just like the marriage of those creative juices is stunning and and written all over the, the final product. But the first episode of season two adds like this Scorsese element to it that I did not see coming. And all of a sudden there's like... Everyone just hates superhero movies all yes. the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's just like this... Really cool Goodfellas voiceover and brutal realistic violence and like crazy drug dealing and like that all ramps up and it's just like, okay, because that's also my other favorite stuff. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, So I cannot recommend Euphoria season two highly enough. I'm going to keep you posted on that. Andy alluded to it. It's been uh, striking me even harder this season. Watching the show as much as I love it is extremely damaging to my mental health. So that's a weird place to be in. Cause it's like, wow, that's the best hour of television I've ever experienced. I also am really sad and kind of want to die now. I don't know what's going on. And just like overly contemplating life. And uh, I, my wife and I talked for four hours on the couch after the last week's episode about really depressing things uh, and which was healthy, but also like that's where it puts me. So it's interesting. Yeah. Um, Zendaya released on Instagram this little message like, hey, uh, not quite a trigger warning, but it was just like, hey, be really careful watching the show. We love it. We put our heart into it. But if this is painful for you, please don't watch it, you know, kind of thing. And I kind of scoffed at that. But I'm like, now I get it. Like, thank you for saying that. That might be a thing for you. Just be aware when you go to watch Euphoria. It is is dark. Um, 
And then also, finally, we were all supposed to go watch Scream 5, but uh, Andy had a lot of really important stuff going on. Steve thought he had COVID. And so I went to see it by myself. And uh, I, that movie fucking rocks. I'm really re- excited to report, and which is why we're talking about Lego sequels today on the show. Uh, just quick notes. Scream 5 is awesome. It's really fun. They decided to kind of do it in a way that Matrix Resurrections did it, which is to kind of poke fun at its own existence. And I know you guys were not the biggest fans of, of Matrix Resurrections, but I don't think for the reasons that it is similar to Scream 5, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, they they choose to take shots at toxic fandoms in a really creative, fun way in Scream 5. They actually actively bring up Star Wars in the character's dialogue in the movie, which I think is hilarious. Like, there's a scene where they're reenacting a scene from Scream 1, essentially, and one of the characters is like, you know, like those guys that hate the guy that did Knives Out and they're fucking crazy. And then so we want to <laughs> we want to please them. And so by making this kind of story, what we're going to need is some of the original characters. But, you know, it's, it's really funny, really smart and witty. Uh, and I really enjoyed this, the shots that it took directly at people that hated Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Ryan Johnson was actually supposed to play himself in Scream 5. That's how hard they were going to go. Wow. Um, wow, that's awesome. But yeah, so that's really fun. I think you guys will love it. Uh, it's, it is for not just lovers of Scream. It is for lovers of film, kind of. Uh, and so for that, I think you guys will get, you'll get all the jokes and, and really enjoy yourselves. And also, you know, some neat Scream kills. I have to see the other Screams first. I don't think you do, honestly. You've never um, seen a single scream? You've seen I, scream one, surely. Surely I have not. Wow. Sir. Wow. Do not presume that I have screamed. Well, so here's the fascinating thing then that you, I'm sure you know. Uh, scream one was a reinvention of the horror genre. It, it had characters who were self-aware of the tropes of horror and called attention to them. Like there was characters who were big fans of horror movies and, and that was the whole thing that was refreshing about it. It's like, never go in a room by yourself once the killer is revealed. Never do this. Never say I'll be right back. Never say I'll be right back. That means you're going to die, you know, because we're in a horror movie now and I'm the horror movie expert. And so for horror movie fans, that was really refreshing because it was like you get used to all the same beats and like, oh, my God, it's not scary. This is what's going to happen. So it reinvented all of that by calling attention to itself. So what Scream 5 does is call attention to the fact that it's the fifth sequel of that movie and reinvent it all again by calling attention to it. And that is super clever. I got a really big kick out of it. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people put it as like their second favorite Scream, like first or second favorite one. Oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. the And Scream 1 is phenomenal, but Scream 5 nailed it. There's the famous scene in the beginning of Scream 1 with Drew Barrymore answering the phone. Yeah, I've like seen you've that. seen that, right? Yeah. So he's like, do you like scary movies? And so they redo that, but now they like make fun of themselves and they know that there's people are like snobby about horror now. So he's like, do you like scary movies? And she's like, not really like elevated horror, like hereditary and it follows. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I just, I was just dying laughing like, yes. Uh, what a funny joke. Do they actually call out those movies? Yes. That's funny. It is great. hilarious. That's phenomenal. Um, anyway, so it's another thing. I love things that know what they are, right? I like I like when things yeah. are self-aware. But we're running out of time. Let's go to our main event briefly. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about some legacy sequels. That's how our old theme went. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, oh God, tell me it's not the kid. Eleven. Friends don't lie. <laughs> That's the noir version. <laughs> Okay, so there's been uh, a plethora of legacy sequels released over the past five, ten years. It's it's Hollywood's latest craze. And I think the fact that they're all meta now, like they're all creatively making fun of legacy sequels in, in, while in fact being legacy sequels, means that we've reached the last uh, monetizable phase of them and that they're almost dead. The snake is eating the tail. Yes, that is my theory. Um, An Ouroboros. Can we stop for a second and just do a collective three-way high five for our legacy sequel? Because we made it a year, guys. Yeah, we made three-way. It a year. One, two, three. Oh, it was, I just wanted to do One, it. One, two, three. Yes. Nice. Yeah, that's why you get to listen to our the Stranger Things theme song. Mm-hmm. We wanted to call attention to the fact that we are in itself the snake eating itself. It's so many fucking layers. This is actually Wait. genius you're witnessing through your ear holes right now. Wait, so by that logic, does that mean we're in our no. last time This breath? snake is a phoenix. We are the phoenix <laughs> snake. It's a, it's a fake. <laughs> oh, well. With a PH. It's a, that's a callback. Bam. <laughs> I think to another episode, though, unfortunately. <laughs> That might have been a Patreon episode. Subscribe to Patreon. (laughs) Yeah. Subscribe to Patreon to understand the callback. If you're not on Patreon, you're missing those PH jokes. (laughs) PH versus F word jokes. (laughs) Drop it in hot right and left on the Patreon, baby. That's the best ad we've ever done for the Patreon. (laughs) So I don't know. Was it? What? <laughs> I think it was when you were thanking Phil at the start of this episode. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Whatever. So you did get the joke. And we knew that. We Hey, we knew it. We just wanted people to be aware of our Patreon. That yeah. Subscribe to on patreon.com slash streaming things. That was a sneaky plug. We knew the whole time. You're right, Andy. That's definitely this episode. Uh, I'll edit it out. Did anyone have? No, no I like it. No, did anyone have any like uh, identifiable format for this? Uh, like a fun? Did you want to pick like your favorite good legacy sequels, or did we want to point out some especially bad ones? I thought both. Okay. Oh, okay. I just I just went for ones that I liked. What? I thought we were doing our favorite. Uh, okay, ones. Steve. What, throw me an example. I'll do it this way. I'll just moderate. Steve, toss me an example. Of how to do it right. A really solidly well-made Lego sequel. Blade Runner. 2049. 2049. Yeah. Okay. I think that is like the That's quintessential the Lego best, sequel, right? Yeah. I, I have three on my list that are not only phenomenal Lego sequels. They are some of the best films ever made. Ooh. Is Blade Runner 2049 one of them? It is. Ooh. Absolutely. I, I adore that movie. I think it's better than the original Blade Runner. I think that's fair. Uh, Andy. Well, should we just, should we like kind of break down what we think of a legacy sequel's agenda should be? Like what should a legacy sequel set out to achieve? What, what makes a good legacy sequel as opposed to a bad one? I think it needs to honor the vision of whatever property it's trying to re-explore while simultaneously taking it not necessarily in a different direction, but to, to new heights, to emotion, new emotional heights. Uh, I think a good legacy sequel um, 
perhaps improves upon its legendary IP at the same time, something adds something to it in a way that you didn't think was possible, but also can stand on its own, has something of its own to say, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than just echo beats that were hit, you know, for a a mindless cash grab, you know, it shouldn't just awakens. Exactly. The force awakens, which is a film I do highly enjoy, but is, is yeah, it's a beat for beat retread. It does not like make me view Mm -hmm. empire in any kind of new way or something like that. Right. But I totally understand why they'd made it that way. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Cause there was a lot of, uh, honor and elevate. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And in force awakens, uh, situation I think there was a lot of like, they had to re, re uh gen that's not the word re um what am i thinking of they had to like affirm to the fans that like we're bringing star wars back to its roots because at the time we only had the prequels and people were still like prequels suck Mm -hmm. so they had to like kind of prove to people no this is more what you like reestablish that hey we make star wars movies yeah we make star wars movies this is what it is and then we're going to grow mm-hmm. from there and they did but then people had a fucking tantrum about where they took it later on all i know and all i care about that movie is i got ray wearing her little um rebel helmet you love that scene <laughs> Eat, eating her little piece of bread i love that scene so much so much it's the most humanizing moment in star wars That's a good one it is a damn Best. good moment and through your eyes andy i love it all the more oh thanks man uh what is uh an example that you have, Andy, of just a really fucking well-made Lego sequel. Okay, so I have an interesting one that I want to throw your way because it wasn't a Lego sequel until a month or two ago. Okay, let me get my catcher's mitt. I'm ready. Throw it you my ready? way, buddy. Throw it my way. Spider-Man Homecoming. Wait. Caught it. Homecoming? Not No Way Home? Correct. Okay. It wasn't, but it is now. It wasn't, but, but because of No Way Home. now because of No Way Home. Yes. And obviously, we're not going to go into spoilers for No Way Home. So think of it as the prequel to the Lego sequel. And I just want to blow your minds with that because that's, <laughs> because that's totally what it was. Right. It, But not, I don't even think it knew that at the time. Maybe. Right. How do we know? We don't, but I have a slinking suspicion that was not their plan. I think that you, I think that you're probably right. But like in as far as the canon, the, the head canon works mm-hmm. it now is isn't it that was my nickname in yeah high actually that's fair there's there's i got a couple on my list that i think qualify under that kind of world that that view where like initially when it was made maybe not a legacy sequel but because of subsequent films it becomes one mm-hmm. yeah i think that's fair and so with that regard uh the three spider-man movies that we've gotten are the best three spider-man movies and so he's I, drawing a line in the sand right the yeah. best ones even far from home all three of them. Even Spider-Man goes to Europe. And something, something home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree with him. I agree with him. But I do what, love the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I'll throw that what hot is, take out there. What is your example? This, this, this opening salvo of what a great legacy sequel is, Chris. I think that the, there's only one. Like at the Highlander. There can only be one. When I think of a legacy sequel that just shits on the possibilities oh, of any Thank other legacy sequel achieving this height. When I think of a legacy sequel that is not only good, that not only honors its predecessor, but elevates it to light years beyond what could ever have been conceived. It is one of the greatest films of all time. A movie that filmmakers look at and marvel at how it could exist. Even they don't know how. It was made. And also one that they're currently making a legacy sequel prequel for. But go ahead. 
I'm talking about Mad Max Fury Road. I knew it. This is going to be on your list, <laughs> baby. Uh, I mean, that movie is just a fucking uh, masterclass in in action filmmaking, in uh, in showing it without telling. And uh, I, I absolutely marvel at its existence. It is high octane cinema, baby. Out of curiosity, do you think that it elevates the original Mad Max? Because I feel like it basically pretends it doesn't exist. Like there's little flashbacks to, hey, you had a fucked up past. Anyway, let's go ahead with this story. I well, do. That's, that's because how the second Mad Max treats the original Mad Max too. As well, yeah, because the original Mad Max isn't quite a wasteland. He's still like a police officer. Yeah, and his There's family still gets a murdered. Big society, and then in the second one, like they don't even talk about that at all. It's just it's still. And then you Mel got Gibson, Thunderdome, all that stuff. Um, it's just a cool universe. I think that what Fury Road does really well is like Steve kind of talked about with, uh, ironically, the book above it. Um, book above it. Really doing a great uh, job of expanding this this universe and exploring like, which is where Furiosa comes in. And it's like, fuck Max. There's all kinds of cool stuff going on, and this is this is brilliant, interesting stuff. And we've been stuck on this for too long, and um, that's what's really neat. But I mean, obviously, the practical effects and 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 what they were able to achieve with Fury Road is what's so amazing to watch. But that's still the movie I turn on if I. If I really want to show off my Sonos surround sound or my TV or something um, and keep somebody guaranteed entertained, it's Fury Road. Yeah, the original Mad Max movies are always kind of hailed as these classic 70s, 80s action films, right? Yeah. But I'll be honest with you. I struggle to remember a lot of the original ones. I just get like vague ideas because I've seen them, but like I, I can't really remember that much about them. But like I can remember almost every frame of Mad Max Fury Road. It's such a... Uh, just an just an otherworldly standard in filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. It's it's be- if you haven't seen Mad Max, and you Fury have Road, to put yourself you in the headspace, and that's why I think this is deserves to be at the top of this list. Um, because in my mind, Blade Runner, while it didn't do well in the box office, is now heralded as is you know a masterpiece, a very interesting philosophy, and uh, one of the earliest movies of its kind. And so the idea that Denis Villeneuve was going to take that mantle and add something wasn't crazy to me. Mm. It never was. It was like, oh, that's going to be really interesting. Right. Whereas with Mad Max Fury Road, it was like, what are you doing? You're making a, a fourth Mad Max film. I don't I'm not really sure we need this. Right. And that's where the legacy sequel that's really good always kind of makes me excited is where you go into it kind of like, OK, and then you're like, holy shit, that that worked. That was a great idea. Um, so that's that's where I think that's that, that's the top of. I have one more that really shocked me and how good it was. Andy Terminator Steve, Dark Fate. I actually really like Terminator Dark Fate. I don't know if you're being funny or not, but it was being funny. No, Terminator Dark Fate is good. Is that the opinion. most recent one? It is. OK. It's not Genesis, right? No. <laughs> there's there's Rise of the Machines, Genesis, and then Dark Fate. And Dark Fate is is not it's not T1 or T2. Let's not kid ourselves. It's not the Fury Road of the Terminator world, but it was like that wasn't bad, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Um, to me that's a failure. Like at that point just reboot it. And at what point also Is that I, a legacy sequel though? Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it as so it's not just a sequel to Terminator. It is, it is like a reboot. Well, 
Sort of in the sense that it was a long time where they tried to like reinvigorate the franchise. So some of these, the definitions a little tough, like Incredibles two is listed as a legacy sequel online Mm -hmm. just because of the sheer time that has passed since the first one. I struggled putting mission impossible ghost protocol on my list because I was like, is that a reboot sequel or is that just a a really good sequel that made this franchise in my go in mind a that's just a, a good sequel yeah I, I ultimately didn't put it on my list but it was one of those things that uh-huh. I, I thought about I, I put a lot of contemplation about stylistically it was a massive change right but I, I think that it was ultimately still just a sequel mm-hmm. we can't talk about phenomenally good legacy sequels without mentioning indiana jones kingdom of the crystal skull <laughs> <laughs> I want a scene where he's riding with monkeys. <laughs> I just, I Put just. the monkey scene with Shia LaBeouf. I do have Lucas. one more really good one, though, uh, and that is Dr. Sleep. Yes. Oh, okay. I think that that, that movie is phenomenally well made, and it, I had no reason to expect that it would be as good as it is. I didn't know much about Mike Flanagan at the time. I should sure, have known sure. better. Uh, I fucking love Dr. Sleep. I got the director's cut 4k at my house. Anybody wants to come over. I think we should watch it. This That's is an open, open call listener. If you want to come watch Dr. Sleep with Chris at his house, <laughs> you did finally check. I that did out, finally right? watch it and it was fantastic. Yeah. Good. It was really, really good. I'm really excited to get your thoughts. And it's on that. so different than the shining. Oh, absolutely. So oh yeah. But, and that's what I mean. It kind of adds, yeah. uh, I never read the book, so I never really understood that the, the, the shine shitty. was this, this magical propensity that this character had prior to. Yeah. So it's like a double whammy. Like he has this psychic ability and he's in this haunted house, right? Yeah. Watching the shining as a kid. And I never understood that. Right. I was just mm-hmm. like, that's scary. And so they really <laughs> explore that. In, in a way that movie is a sequel to the book. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Well, yeah. and Dr. Sleep is a sequel that Stephen King wrote, but I'm just saying like they did not film it in a way like they used like cuts and stuff, I think from yeah, they used the shining overlook stuff. And as far as like the actual like story, it felt more like a sequel to the original story that Stephen King wrote sure. as opposed to the adaptation that he hated. I think even the elements that Mike put in that were uh, Mike's Mike's friend of mine. Um, <laughs> I think that the elements that Mike Flanagan put in, we're just kind of visual references for pure movie fans mm-hmm. to keep them in that universe rather than, like you said, it's 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 more purely a, a sequel to the novel. But but I think that's that those are the big three for me. There's some other like decent movies. I, I wasn't being funny. I think Terminator Dark Fate is decent. Um, I also think that uh, Creed could be considered a legacy sequel to the Rocky 100%. films. Uh, and I think it's a really good movie. I've um, actually never seen it. Creed's good. I never watched Creed 2. I heard it was also really good. There's a Creed 3 coming out. So they obviously successfully rebooted it. Um, and this might be a hot take. I don't know how you guys feel. I'm actually more Ooh. curious to hear what Steve thinks. Ooh. Being this sci-fi guy that he is. Uh, I consider Alien Covenant and Prometheus to be legacy sequels. Okay. I'd agree. I, th- I think it's fair. I think at least Prometheus. Is that the second one? Is really good. Which one's... I actually really enjoy them both. I think that's the second one. Okay. Um, I actually kind of really enjoy them both. And uh, Hot take. I'd like to get your... I don't like the either first of them. one. I definitely don't like the first well, one. Well, I like them in different ways. Like, one of them's like, Danny McBride's here. <laughs> the one with Danny McBride is the better of the two. Yes. But, uh, hands the down. other one is a little too philosophical at times, but... It also has the I dumbest has characters a lot of, of all time in it. <laughs> of like, all time... Maybe not all the time. But like, <laughs> for like a really Scott hard sci-fi film, those characters are really fucking stupid. Like they make choices that's like, why is this 
incredibly intelligent botanist saying like, oh, wow, an alien snake. Let me pet it so we can break my <laughs> arm and kill me. Why wouldn't you pet it? Because it looks like a giant vagina snake. I ain't petting that. That makes me want to pet it, Steve. <laughs> touche, touche. Um, so one that I would like to bring up, uh, and it was like a sneak legacy sequel, is the new Candyman. Candyman. Um, talk about like honoring that, the original and also elevating it. Um, mm-hmm. Like they 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 took the original and made it this like socially relevant in a way that it, it didn't feel ham fisted. Like it felt natural in a way. It like it felt like it almost honored the original more by making it more socially relevant. Yeah, well, it took the social relevance that the first one had in its time of the 90s mm-hmm. and made it this, a similar story, still focusing on the same aspects, but tailored it more towards, you know, 2020. They Scream 5 did. Yes. And I, yeah, I really liked Candyman. I like how he said yes as if I had seen Scream 5. <laughs> but yes. you understood. You got <laughs> it where I was going because I had explained that. You did. I'm going to tell you another hot take because I know Steve's going to hate this one. Okay. <laughs> This is not a good movie. Okay. It's not a great movie. It's not even a good movie, but it is a movie that I really, really like just because of where I was at in life at the time. My son loved it. It was the, it was Jurassic Park for him, right? Jurassic, Jurassic World? World. Jurassic World's good. You like it? I like Jurassic it. World is the definition of complete dumb fun. A lot of hardcore movie folk really hate Jurassic World. I don't like the second Jurassic World at all. No, that is trash. That is Dominion hot. Is that is hot garbage. Hot garbage. But Jurassic World is just really I, dumb fun. I think it's a fun fucking movie. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I was scared to say that in this company, and no. I'm glad you guys supported me on that. Thank you. 100%. Question. I mean, is it, isn't, is it Jurassic Park? No. But is it a lot of fun? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think it's the second best Jurassic Park movie. Ooh. That is fair. I don't know. See? I do like Lost World, though. Mm. I do like Lost mm. World. Here's a question. How many do there have to be before they just call it Jurassic Park again? Uh, at least one more. <laughs> <laughs> because Scream 5 is just Scream. So I, I feel like they set the bar. Yeah, they've been calling it Scream 2.0 to be able to like differentiate it. But also sometimes the E is a 5. Doesn't do it for me. Because <laughs> that just means it's called Scream, parentheses, stylized as. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's, so question. The Suicide Squad. Is that a legacy sequel? Ooh, that is Because it's a sequel. Yeah, Same but also characters. a reboot. But it's only like four years later. It's just, if you want to call it a sequel, it's just a sequel. But so in the way that we're talking about legacy sequel, it is a legacy, it is a later sequel, an unplanned sequel that carries on the story, but also reboots it. So here's the thing. Let me just, here's my, like, it, um, does, t- does time have to be a factor yes, here? Yes, because the word legacy is the time factor, right? So to be a legacy sequel, there has to be a legacy. The film has to have some sort of legacy to reckon with. That's true. So Suicide I think. Suicide Squad does not have a legacy. The I original think, one. I mean, it does have a legacy. It's, <laughs> it's not, not a good, good one. one but. I think the Suicide Squad is a rebuquel, right? Rebuquel, but not a legacy sequel. Correct. Okay. I don't think they're the same thing. Oh, I didn't know we were differentiating. Yeah, I'm hearing now differentiating. I just want to say, Stop recording. We're starting. (laughs) I just want to say, guys, I really enjoy living in these weeds. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay, so we got the legacy sequel. We got the reboot sequel. Then we got your classic reboot, and then you have the classic sequel. Okay. You have your classic prequel. Okay. What about the American remake prequel? The Amerequel. Oh, no, that's just a you're talking about the Amara boot. 
the Ameriboot. Like how they're doing Train to Busan, but English version. Isn't that supposed to be a prequel? And they did like Old Boy. No, I think they're just redoing it. At least I thought. Like how they did Old Boy was just the American version. I'm so lost. (laughs) So there's a phenomenal. The Ameriquel. I've completely lost the thread. Have you ever seen Train to Busan? No. So fucking Oh my God. One of the best movies ever made. Yeah. In my opinion. Uh, who am I? Also, Old Boy, one of the best movies ever made, is a uh, it's a Korean. The one with Josh Brolin? No, <laughs> but that is the Amera boot. Yeah, <laughs> like a grudge a boot. A boot. Uh, so I got That's some Canadian. I got some trash ones. You guys want to hear some trash ones? Yes, sure. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, is that a reboot uh, or is that just a sequel? I mean, I think there was long enough for it to reckon with the legacy. They were like bringing back a new. They ca- wanted it. They to had be a, a new character. Yeah, they wanted like Shia LaBeouf to take the mantle, but we're gonna have some Harrison here to hold your that hand. That was a failed reboot. Cool. Yeah, we're gonna have another one here soon. So yeah, hopefully not another failure. I consider this might be a hot take. I consider Ghostbusters Afterlife to be a trash legacy sequel. Haven't seen it. Don't know. I still like that movie. Hey man. <laughs> Ooh, Evil Dead. Evil I don't know. See, that's where I was like, that's just a reboot, right? No, because no. there, there's proof that it's a sequel, right? Correct. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Nux me, bro. Then that's the three-star asterisk right up there with Dr. Sleep and Mad Max for me yep, and Blade up. Runner. That's just takes Fucking place later well on. Do you want to deep go into more why that is, Andy? No. No? Okay. I don't recall. <laughs> but <laughs> I in, haven't in seen my it research, in so long. In my research, I did come across someone who wrote about why it actually is a legacy sequel and not just a Well, remake. the Necronomicon's the same for sure. Uh, but it, but it's not like a reboot. Like the the, the previous encounter with the ne- Necronomicon exists. was a thing that existed, right? Yes. Yes. Interesting. And I don't recall why. I vowed to myself to watch Evil Dead this week again. Steve, throw them at me, baby. I've got a couple that I think are movies that I'm not going to sit up here and say, like, these are Blade Runner 2049, but I think they're more a la Jurassic World, where they're just dumb, fun, really well made. They honor the legacy of the franchises. Sure. I haven't seen Dark Fate. (laughs) Sure. But but they're of that vein, right? Right. Uh, First off, I'm going to say Tron Legacy. That's why I said it's literally called Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually really, really like Tron Legacy. I, I, it's a I need to rewatch it. I think it's, it's a movie without it its looks problems, beautiful. but it's one of the most stylistic uh, movies I've ever seen. The soundtrack is baller. Um, and Daft I, Punk, right? Daft Punk, hell yeah. And I really wish they would, I, I really wanted them to continue that world because I thought what they were doing with it was phenomenal. Uh, X-Men First Class. Oh, I f- Oh, are we throwing that in? I, I wondered Ooh. about that one. I wasn't sure, but I guess it is because that was the one I hinted to you about, like maybe when it first came out, no, but because of subsequent films, such as uh, what was the, the one that came out after where they, where they tied the two I universes. think Days of Future uh, Past, Days of Future Past. Past. Yeah. is one of the best X-Men films. I hard agree. Hard, hard agree. agree. And, yes. but, but X-Men First Class, I think is also one of the best X-Men films. I love it. I'm with you, baby. It features one of the best uh, character deaths in an X-Men movie of all time. It's uh, It involves a quarter and Kevin. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and, and then lastly, this is the big one. I love this movie. You guys are probably going to roll your eyes when I say it, but I love this Live movie. Live free or die hard. You goddamn right. <laughs> How weird would that have been though? No, that would have been weird. Uh, no, this is a movie that came out in 2009 Just directed by J.J. Abrams named Star Trek. 
Yes, dude. I was, I'm sorry. I forgot about it, but I was 100% thinking about that, too. That is a perfect legacy sequel. Yes. We're not rolling our eyes. I well, because I've been watching so much Star Trek recently. I oh, love the okay. J.J. Star Treks. I do. I So I love his first Star Trek. Uh, the second one's okay. It's okay. I actually I don't like great. Beyond. No, I do I not I think either. I'm one of the... Because Beyond has this like really rabid cult following behind it. I hated it's Beyond when my least favorite. I'm pretty sure Andy theaters. and I both hated Beyond. Yeah, we saw it in theaters boring. and we're like, why the fuck did we just see... What? Yeah, um, it's Remember he had that weird opening where Simon Pegg was like, hey, I got to write a movie. And then the movie start on, started. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. It was super weird. <laughs> but 2009 Star Trek is amazing because... So at the time... Let me paint you a picture, right? Uh-huh. Picture Two, painting. 2009 Steve May was very much still in that time of his life where he's like, I want Star Wars. I don't watch Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beatles uh, versus Stones, baby. Exactly. It was just this dumb cultural war that existed amongst nerds for some reason, even though like at that point we had not yet looked across the battlefield and realized we were just the same people. <laughs> uh, so, but when I watched Star Trek, I remember my, my girlfriend at the time, we watched Star Trek and I fucking loved it. I thought all oh, the characters are great. I really loved what JJ, a lot of people make fun of it, but like the lens flares, but like the way he shoots that movie is really unique. There's a lot of like tilt shift shots and they're going through corridors with it and they made these characters that I really had I I, I knew who they were because at that point who doesn't know who Captain Kirk is who doesn't know who Spock is but they did expert casting they have these great actors in these seminal roles with a new director with a new vision they made Star Trek cool they made it more Star Wars Right, right. You know, which you know, maybe some Star Trek fans hate about it, but for me, it was like, yes, there's literally an R two D two in 2009 Star Trek. Yeah, and I remember like we saw it. I think within the week, I went and saw it again, and my girlfriend at the time was like, "Are you Trekkie now?" Hmm. And at the time, I was like, "Fuck you, bitch! (laughs) Don't you dare! Don't you say that word!" Also, I feel bad for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm really sorry. Sorry about that. I, I didn't mean it. That's, you started the name calling. Yeah, this, this is your fault, not mine. Uh, <laughs> gaslight. Uh, <laughs> oh, you bitch. But, but like, she's right. Fast forward to however many years now, I'm literally watching The Next Generation, and it all started because of this movie. It, it brought what was great about the original movies made it more modern and it enticed me into the world. It made Star Trek great again. It's going to be great. <laughs> and it brought us Captain Beastie Boy Sabotage as a trailer, as, so as a meme. Sabotage. Beer, beer, beer. Sorry. Can't stand it. I'm going to planned it. That's such a good I'm song. And that was a phenomenal again. cinematic moment for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I don't really have any other good ones. Uh, it could be argued Matrix Resurrections nope. is great. <laughs> nope. uh, <laughs> some epic failures include Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that movie was real bad. In my opinion, almost any of the attempts to Halloween. <laughs> uh, the newest Halloween was okay. No, I don't like it. The sequel to the... Legacy? No, not Halloween. Not not Halloween Kills. kills. The Halloween was okay. I think it's poo-poo. I think it's poo-poo. Ooh. Uh, T2 Train Spotting was good. It's just a movie I forget exists frequently. Do you remember that, Andy? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Terminator 2 That was based on porno, though, so it's weird. They called it T2 Train Spotting, but it was based on a different Irving Welsh book. So that's Muddied Waters. Waters. Are you sure? Yeah, positive. Doesn't porno also exist in movie film, movie, movie form? Uh, I don't know. 
I think you might be right. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of filth. I'm thinking of filth. Filth is a thing. The James oh, McAvoy, uh, Irvin Welsh. Anyway, um, you mentioned Tron Legacy. I already mocked Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think that's my list. That's my list, boys. That's my list. Okay. I, I, I wax poetic about nerd shit. Andy, you got any more legacy sequels you want to bring up, baby girl? Just Jane Silent Bob reboot, but it, they call it reboot literally in the title, but it is not. It is a legacy sequel because it just picks up where the story left off. And in the Kevin Smithiest way, I think it, is, it, it succeeds. Yeah, which is to say he made it. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Kevin. You are inside us. Thank you. Snowballing. <laughs> that brings us to a close of our Legacy sequel episode. Thank you so much for attending. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this has been... Streaming Things. Happy streaming. Happy streaming.